0: And so, if you've got a book of math, the book of Matthew in front of you, I'm going to invite you to start in chapter 23. Uh, here, here's here's um, I, I try to script this as best as possible, but I am going to lay out my life and Alpine Bible Church and what we're all, all about this morning. And and you can't really put that in the book, <laughs> so so you have an outline in your notes that will roughly follow what I'm going to go through this morning. But I, I just want to share why we're here as a church and what what we're doing in Lehi and. And what we feel like God's plan is for us as a church family. Um, And and I want to say this, our church is about, we are almost six years old. We're in between that five, six-year mark. We turned six years old in in August. We we started um, ten years ago on a prayer in Wines Park. And then we started meeting um, a little over five years ago at my house. And since that point, we have, we have moved locations six times. We've outgrown every place we've been. My living room was the quickest one to outgrow. But we started living room, hotel, hotel to a print shop. Print shop smells. We've got a, a storefront, storefront got too small. We expanded to two storefronts, two storefronts got too small. We expanded to this building, and now this building's getting too small. And, and I don't even know. I, I quit at that. <laughs> All right, this is it. But a lot of uh, changes, a lot of stress coming With that, I've gotten to the point in ministry where if I'm not stressed out about something, I feel like something's wrong. (laughs) It's, 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 uh, it's funny, is like when you read the story of people in the in the Old Testament. I'm, I'll, I'll read their stories. I'm like, man, I won't be like that, right? But then I read how their life started, and I'm like, but I don't want that. I, don't, I, I mean, Abraham was Abraham called out of his land at such an old age. I mean, having kids at a hundred or, or or Moses, it wasn't he was eighty years old before he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. When I'm eighty, I am not leading anybody. I'm going to sit down and relax, and I'll tell you where to go. It's, but I, I don't i i i don't want how they started but i want where where they're going and and all those things happen um really in small steps uh i, I think in our our generation we, we we're about the microwave generation where we want the we want to be everything that we have imagined in our head just tomorrow and it's funny when when you when you study the way that nature works if if when, when God grows a mushroom, it takes six hours, but, but to make it an oak tree, it takes 60 years. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Uh, if you want to build a skyscraper, um, you, you don't just lay it on the foundation of a, of a house. You, you go as deep into the ground uh, as you do as tall above the earth. You, uh, you have to dig into that. And, and when you read about the things that God did with people that he chose, he, he's, he picked people that you would look at and think, yeah, you're not you're not ever going to make it, and, and then and then the Lord does profound things with him, and that, that is my story. Um, the question I start off with this morning is is important for us. So it's simply to ask this question: Why why am I here? Um, if you study religious philosophy, it, it's funny because there's a lot of people who who have are very studied in philosophy and religion, and they can't even answer that question. And before I even begin to know what it is I'm supposed to do on this earth, there's no way I can hit the target without knowing why on God's green earth I'm here. I, I can take guesses, but no, no way of ever knowing for sure if, I, if I'm living out that purpose. And so answering the question, why you are here, is really important. <clears throat> and I tell you that 10 years ago, um, I came and visited Utah, and it was a fluke, um, all I wanted to do was drive from the East Coast, where I'm from, to the West Coast. I just wanted to see the country. That was selfish. It was my only intention. And I had a friend here that lived in Utah, and he told me stories about Utah and the need for a mainstream Christian church in Utah. and And I looked at him and said, "You're crazy. This is America. nowhere you know it doesn't that doesn't exist. Um, every, there's a church on every street corner in America. Um, what what am I going to? Why would I need to bring a mainstream church here to, to Utah? And, and and then I come out and visit, and then I, I see um, the need. And I, and I want to say before I, 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 I share further on that, that I, I love Utah, and I, I think this place is a beautiful place to live, it's a wonderful place to live, people try hard in, in their living to, to live a very moral life, um, I've lived in I don't know how many different states, uh, I bounced around a little bit as a kid, and, and nowhere was as uh, safe as here. It took me a couple years to get used to the fact that no one locks anything, you know? <laughs> It'd be gone in five seconds everywhere else I've ever lived. The kids leave their bikes in the park. I don't know what's up with that, but but I did that once when I was a kid and I never saw my bike again, you know? Um, it's a great place to live. And, and then, you know, as I visited here, I found out some things as well. The longer you're here and the more that you pull back the mask, you also find that it's a place of a real need and in, in hurting. Um... In our in our state we we rank the highest in in things that you don 't necessarily want to rank the highest in like prescription drug abuse or or um, suicide um, pornography downloading um, you, know, you look at those things you look at our our area and you think, man this is really nice and this is the most religious place in all of the world and and then you pull back the mask and you think but why why is that behind there I mean you think if you've got Religion, then you should have all that fixed, right? If, if religion is 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 the cure, um, let me stop with that for just a minute and share a little bit of my story. When when I was a, a young kid, I, I grew up um, pretty broken, and um, excuse me, always looked for something bigger than myself to live for. And um, struggle with finding that. I grew up in West Virginia. My mom was a a single mom. She had me at 16. We lived on welfare for most of my life. Um, uh, I had a lot of anger issues. Dad wasn't present at home for for most of my adult life. The men that I were around were the type of men that you would rather take out back and beat up than than to welcome. (laughs) And God built a lot of anger in my heart in that. And always look for something bigger in life, when I was 16, I had a gentleman in, the, in his 70s come to me who was a little thug. Um, if you looked at me the wrong way, you would, you would have gotten sucker punched in the back alley. I mean, I was that kind of kid, and I grew up in that kind of neighborhood. And um, this older man came to me and he began to just share Christ. Tell me about Jesus. And, and I, I didn't want to listen to everything that he had to say because I didn't really care about what he wanted to offer. But I had never really had someone come up to me like that and just present that unconditional love outside of my mother but in a home life where it's difficult. You're, um, it's hard to find peace in that. And, and so the, the love that this guy showed for someone who didn't care uh, spoke to my heart. Eventually, I, I gave my life to Christ. Christ. I realized what I was missing was in Christ. I realized I needed rescued, and I realized Jesus came to rescue me. And then I went into a church after that, and and I had this hunger within me to want to know about Christ. And so I went to this religious assembly and then I, I start walking around and talking to people. And, and, uh, the, I, I didn't know the word at the time, but what, what God had created within me, a, a desire to be was a disciple. I didn't even know what that meant, but I walked into a church and I remember, and I go to these older people and thinking, man, an old man showed me this. So an older man it, it can teach me more. And I had this hunger and I'm like, I just want to know more about Jesus. And, and the guy looked at me and he said, you know, um, that, that's fine, but I, I can't teach you. He was a leader in the church, but he couldn't teach me. But he said that um, I, I couldn't even come to church anyway because I wasn't dressed in a shirt and tie, right? I'm thinking, that, that's strange. And I, I grew up poor. I don't have shirt and ties, you know? So I was Virginia, man. like Having my teeth is like an accomplishment. And, um, and, and so I, I, I left frustrated, but, I, but I, I continued that process. And I went to, I asked who the leaders were, and I went to every individual and I asked them, will you teach me, will you teach me, will you teach me? And no one, no one would do it. But, but they were quick, quick to critique me and to point out how I didn't fit into their religious assembly, which left me with a question. Why, why am I here? The Jesus that I think I encountered definitely wasn't at the place that I was now going. I, I wanted to know why I'm here. You you can't accomplish the what until you know the why. And I I took that first step in Christ, but I needed someone to continue to paint that picture for me. In the book of Matthew in chapter 23, Jesus is having that same conversation. Jesus has come to the end of his life, and um, he's just giving this last thought to Israel. And i got to tell you, when I read this, it, this passage, I, I call it the saddest verse in, in the whole Bible. This, this verse is the verse that it, it just breaks my heart. And you read in, in verse 37, it, it says this, And he said to him, you shall love, oh, excuse me, not the right verse. It's <laughs> verse 27, verse um, it, it, it says in, in verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. i got to tell you, Jesus gives very early on in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, as a matter of fact, first book in the Bible, he sets the explanation as to why we exist. And then by chapter 3, he promises his coming to us. And then the rest of the Bible talks about the coming of Jesus to set us free. And then Jesus lives out his life. And this is the part that blows me away. And now, at verse 23, at the excuse me, in chapter 23, at the end of his life, people still don't know why we're here. On the point of Jesus, well, that's the saddest verse in the Bible. Jesus living out his entire ministry, having fulfilled everything in the Old Testament. And he's just looking over Jerusalem, knowing what's about to come. And he's just crying out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You don't even understand. I've come to gather you under my wings and you've missed the point. I'm saying to Jerusalem, it is possible to be close to Jesus and completely miss him altogether. You can walk side by side with him like the disciples and totally not even understand what Jesus is all about. In this passage in chapter 23, Jesus gives the explanation as to why. He gives the seven woes to the religious leaders. Religion has blinded their mind to the purpose of Jesus. Maybe I would say it like this to us today in our context, it's possible to come to church every day of your life and miss the whole point of Jesus. And Jesus could be saying that about us this morning, old oh, church, old oh, church. Have you just understood the purpose of your gathering today? It's not about just a, a Sunday so i got to go to church. It's, a, it's about me. I've wanted to gather you under my wings and you've, you've missed the point. As a young kid wanting to answer the question, why I'm here, that's what I needed to start with an understanding. Not only does Jesus come to save you, but Jesus comes to give you his life. He doesn't just offer life, but he is life itself. Colossians 1 says he upholds all things by his hands and by him all things consist. Jesus is life. Jesus comes to verse, chapter, excuse me, twenty three, and he just shares the seven woes to the church. He, he he says and paints a picture as to why they're they're missing the the entire boat. He 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 says to the Pharisees in his in his woes that they that that, that they are making twice the son of perdition by leading people in into religion. He, he, he says to them that they're like a, a cup, and his last two woes, they're, they're like a cup on the outside, is very beautiful and clean, but when, when you pull the mask back and you look on the contents, it's dirty on the inside, and in case they didn't get the point, he said this, your religion that you've established is, is like a tomb on the outside, it's gloriously beautiful, but when you open it up, it's just full of deadness. You've missed the point. Everything that God did in the Old Testament was to point us to Christ. The temple that God established was a picture uh, of Jesus. Inside of the temple, the things that took place was a picture of fellowship, so much so that when Jesus walks the earth, John, the very first pronouncement that John makes of Jesus, it says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the what? World. Saying to us, do you know how you've gone year after year to the temple to make that sacrifice for your sins? Well, ultimately, it points to Jesus. And I'm telling you, that lamb has come. The point of the temple was to point to Jesus. The point of the law was to point to our need for Jesus. The point of the prophets was to proclaim the coming of Jesus. The point of the priests was to fulfill a temporary role that ultimately Jesus would demonstrate. Why are we here? I would say the answer is found in Jesus. Do you know, people that read the Bible, if you were to stop and ask them the question, why are we here? Do you know the common answer they give? Common answer is to do good, right? We are here to do good. And on the back end of that thought is to say this, we, we prove our worth to God to earn our way into eternity, right? I want to get to the celestial king, kingdom. And I, I believe I'm heading straight to the celestial kingdom because of Christ. But but the answer that people give is is that I, I want to get there by the good th- that I do. We're here to, to do good. But you, you know the problem with that thought, if that's the trail you walk around, is that it um, contradicts the Bible. When you read in, in excuse me, in Galatians two twenty one, it says this. Uh, let, me, let me read three twenty of Romans first. Romans three twenty says, "For by by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight." Meaning, by doing law, you're not going to be made right with God, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Uh, I I do not nullify the grace of God, he says in Galatians 1, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Meaning if you think the purpose is to do good, to earn your way back to God, um, you're going to have a real problem with Romans and Galatians. Uh, Paul plainly says that we don't justify ourselves by the works of the law. I was... um, on a plane recently coming back to Utah, and I had the opportunity to sit with a religious leader and their spouse, and had a dialogue over over God with them. And um, they apologized to me for coming to Utah because they said it's a, it's a poor representation. Um, and they went on to proceed to say, you know, when you pull back the mask, um, people are hurting, and it shouldn't be that way because um, w- we live in a religious place, and it should be following right. And so I said, well, that's interesting. You say that. I, I think this is the best place I've ever lived in my life. So, so I got no problem with it. But, but wh- I'm interested to hear, what do you, what do you think the solution is? I mean, if you see the problem, what is the solution? The answer is this. Um, the answer was, they, they, they. I don't think they love God enough, right? Um, they need to know what the rules are. Because if they understood what the rules were, then they would live it out, right? I, I, I look back at her in the face and I just said this. I, I don't think it's that people here don't understand Or or, or don't try to love God. I think it's best that they know God to be. They're trying to love God. I I really think the answer is. We don't understand how much God loves us. Um, Telling someone. Who's struggling in that fight. Of just doing good. Here's more laws. Because you're failing. It's like pouring salt on the wound. Paul even says that in Romans. If your method of fulfillment in this world is by what you do, not not why you're here, but what you're doing, you're not ever going to find that satisfaction. Um, when you live up to law, eventually you're going to fail. And then if you think that law is the solution, then you're going to tell yourself that um, you you didn't try hard enough and so you're going to add more rules to that and you're going to try harder. And then what you're going to find is that, again, what happens is that you fail. In Romans 3.20, Paul says that. By the works of the law, no human being will be justified in the sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin... We we give the illustration like this: when when you're living your life day to day in this world, uh, you don't randomly get pulled over by the police to tell you great great job in obeying the law today, right? And the judge doesn't say come to the courthouse, I got something to tell you. He smashes his gavel and says, you are awesome at obeying law. It doesn't doesn't that's not even realistic. It doesn't happen. This is the way the law works. When you break it, you pay, right? When you speed, officer visits your car, right? When you break the law, the judge gives you a sentence. The purpose of the law isn't to show you how to be justified. It's not to even answer why you're here. It's to point you to the need that you have for Christ. The the law condemns us. The, The law shows where we fail. So this is what we do as a church family. When, when we come in on, on Sunday morning, we just jump ahead of religion by all confessing, and we walk in the door. We are sinners. <laughs> that law is not fixing me. I already know. But I need to know why I'm here. The law was intended not to point us to pride, but to reveal to us our need. We are sinners. We don't have to mask that to God. God already knows. Isn't that crazy? The Bible says, God demonstrates his love to us, and while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8, right? It's like saying, uh, take, take the mask off, man. I mean, why, why are you even pretending? God, God already knows, and God has already come to save you in that it 's not it 's not about doing good uh, works are important i 'll tell you why in a few but but it 's not about doing good that 's not the primary purpose God made you. God certainly wants you to reflect goodness into this world, but it 's not the primary purpose that he made you. Let me tell you why God made us, and this is beginning to tell us why our church exists. The Bible tells us in, in Genesis one if you miss this in Genesis one you you miss the entire Bible. He says in Genesis 1, when God made us, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them in Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust from the ground. Please remember you're made from dust. Okay. You came from dirt. All right. You're made from dirt (laughs) and he breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life and man became a living being. So, so it's to say uh, our, our origins was from the life of this earth, but the part that God puts in us is the part where he breathes into us and creating us in his image. It doesn't mean that God makes us exactly like he is, meaning, meaning it, it, it's not saying that, that uh, we have a body because God has a body, because you were made from dirt, okay? And God didn't come from dirt. God's eternal. But what it's identifying for us is something unique about you that, that's different than any other creature, so, when God made all of his creatures, he, he formed them and he said it was good and he was happy with that and he formed weird things like cats and he said that was good too. He went off his rocker one day. But then, but then he formed you. He formed you and he created you in, in his image. And, and when he made you and then he made the woman, he said it's very good. And the part that what God is signifying for us in this passage of scripture is, is that when God created you, he created you in, in such a way that you could connect to him. I mean, it's the reason, like, if you're a hunter, when you go in the woods, you don't see a deer saying, oh, I see the guy with a gun, I'm praying, hold on, Lord. You know, the deer doesn't do that. They don't tebow in the woods, right? But you do. The the Roaming buffalo of the west don't seek a local gathering place to to sing songs and encourage one another in the Lord. But you do. Why? It's because God put his mark in you. You're created in his image. Being made in his image, God then creates you for purpose as well. In his image, God, God is love. And love is about giving itself away. And as human beings, we look for opportunities to do things like that to live in a godly way because we bear the image of God in us. It, it, it's the reason when God created his image in us, it, it's the reason when, why when you pass a lion, you don't, you don't see him sitting on the side of the road like all depressed saying, man, I, I'm rethinking this lion thing. I don't, I'm giving it up. I want to be a giraffe, <laughs> right? I'm the king to the tallest. It doesn't happen. When they created for a purpose, but they just live it out roaming the jungle. Or, or, or like the beaver, he's like, ah, a damn. Like, that's been done, man. I, I'm thinking bigger. <laughs> Let's do house. Let's do a house with some cable. Now, a, beaver, a beaver doesn't think that way. Or, or my favorite place to go in, in, in Utah is Zion Park. And I, I like going to the south end of the park because that's the buffalo field. But when I get there, I always get aggravated because on the edge of that field, they're, they're overlooking the canyon lands. I'm like, they don't appreciate that. Like, if I wasn't afraid of a buffalo, I'd be over there. I mean, why do they put, do they put the buffalo farm next to the canyon? I, I have yet to see a buffalo go to the edge and be like, Buffalo, you know, come, look, come look at this. This is incredible, you know? They don't do that. They don't even care. They just eat the grass and keep walking. I'm like, what a wasted view, man. But you know what happens to me when I stand on the edge of the canyon land? I don't stand on the edge of it and think, "Man, I am I am incredible." I, I don't I don't go to the beach and look at the beach. I hate the beach. I wouldn't be there, but I, I don't go to the beach and just say, "Man, I am awesome." You know, that, that doesn't. I, I go to the edge of the Grand Canyon and, and I realize I'm a part of something bigger than me. Or I look at the wonder of the ocean, and, and self is the last thing I think about. I look at the grandeur of the mountains and I go up in there and then the peacefulness that it presents and I I realize I'm a part of something bigger than me. God created you in his image. And in that image, we, we realize that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. We were never created to find life's purpose within ourselves. You know, I found in religious places in the world um, the tendency of people when they live in a religious place if they reject the religion is to go to liberalism but do you know the connection between re, uh, legalism and, re, and liberalism is, is a pretty close connection to one another it's like if someone goes from really religious they skip over the jesus part and they just go to liberal i <laughs> think what why, why did, how did they do such a big skip i mean call it jesus is right here in the middle <laughs> just come you should fall down in this funnel but why is that Do you know that the tendency of both of those, the the driving force is the same? Religion is about me, and liberalism, I define life around me. When you see that you're created in God's image, you recognize this, that the purpose of life is really outside of yourself. You're created to, to connect to God out, outside of yourself. You, you look at, at the grandeur of creation and realize you're part of something bigger than self. And God putting his image in you gives you the opportunity to connect him. It's like God is saying this. The reason that you exist is for a relationship with me. It, it, it's not about what you do. Though God put his image in you that you would bear it in this world. But it's about connecting to him. We're fueled in life through connecting to Christ. As a matter of fact, when, when Jesus shows up on, on the scene, he, he gives us, I don't want to read that, uh, he gives us the, the very purpose of creation. He, he, he says in, in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that you may know, what? Him. You know what living for eternity is about? It's knowing Him. The minute you come to Christ, it's, it's about knowing Him. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth, and I am the life. I, I like it in Mark 12, 28 and 29, when people come before Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, what's the greatest of all the commandments they're saying as, as a religious person? God, we got all our rules back here, and they're driving me crazy. Which one's the best one I can follow, God? And like you can see it. They pull out the notepad and the pen. They're like, all right, write this down, write this down, write this down. And Jesus says... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. His answer is relationship. And then he follows it up with this, and love others as you love yourself. I mean, he goes from relationship to him as the fuel and source of life of understanding why we're here. And then from that relationship, we we live it out in this world. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, man's response. It says God created us in his image that we could connect to him. Man rejects God, and then the response from man was to run from God and, and then create religion. Adam and Eve, when, when they clothed themselves in the fig leaves, they were, they were creating religion. Uh, in the Hebrew text, it literally says those fig leaves, the Hebrew text says it's soldiers' garments, meaning they're protecting themselves from God. They're saying, God, God we've messed up. I'm going to go fix this. I'll be back in a minute, right? When I'm good and ready and I feel clean, I'll be back to you. That's the way we treat church. God, when I get my life right, then I'll go to church. But i got to get my life right first, and then I'll see you there. And then God is the one that pursues Adam and Eve. And God rips off the fig leaves, and God makes a sacrifice, and God clothes them in the Hebrew text. It says priestly garments. He clothes them in the animal skin, and then he gives a promise of Jesus. Saying to this, our inclination when we sin is to run from God. And God's inclination when we sin is to run towards us because he knows what we need better than we know what we need ourselves. That's why Jesus came on the cross. We were gonna by our own efforts try to prove our worth to God but God's standard for heaven is perfection and we can never prove to him our worthiness and God knows that and so God has been pursuing us for the relationship that he has created us for. It's never been about what you do. It's always, always been about him. God created you to connect to him. God created you to be fueled in him. God created you to find your purpose in him. And God knows without that, we would be left wandering aimlessly. And so he has been pursuing you with his life. It's not that we need to try harder in loving God. We just need to understand how much Christ loves you it's okay to let go of the mask and just rip rip back what's been hiding and just say god this mess is what you've come for and this is what i'm giving to you jesus has been pursuing us for relationship i want to leave matthew 23 for a minute and go to chapter 19 and just answer this question do i really think it's that simple Do I really think that Jesus just accepts us that openly? You know, I I think Jesus answered that question. There was a time where Jesus is standing before a crowd and he's teaching them about the kingdom of heaven and how to get there. And you would, at this point, Jesus is gonna take out from the crowd the perfect person to demonstrate to them what he's looking for in the kingdom of heaven. And I gotta tell you, in my religious mind, I would say to Jesus, Jesus, I know what it is. It's the Pharisees. They're impressive in their religion. Or, or, or maybe the Sadducees, or, or maybe it's the older lady down the road who's been following you your whole life. But do you know who Jesus picks? He picks a child. It's not the people that religiously impress. It's the innocence of a child. Matthew 19 and verse 13, it says, Then some children were brought to him so that he may lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them, but Jesus said, Let the children alone and do not hinder them for, from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And why a child? I, I don't think it's because <clears throat> I've heard some people accuse this passage of saying it's the ignorance of children, but I, I don't think it's the ignorance, I, th- I think it's the innocence. Kids don't know they shouldn't trust until they've been burned. And Jesus made it that simple. Believe in me. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in me, which means trusts in me. Jesus goes on in verse 17. It says, I didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world might find salvation in me. It's about trusting in It's the innocence of the child of just listening to the words of Jesus. That's it. Just listen to what Jesus said. I created you for relationship. I created you in my image. I know better what you need for you than you know what you need for me. Lay down the religion. Lay down trying to prove your worth to me. Lay lay down your brokenness. I I want all of that and just, just come to me. If you were created by Jesus and for Jesus, it makes sense that we don't even begin to understand what we're to do as human beings and how God desires for us to live until we connect to the one who created us for that purpose. It's like the faith of a child. So why are we here at ABC? This is what we want. In Matthew 11, Jesus comes and And he's speaking to the religious society of the day. And he says this. Come to me. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. And learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And the solution to this point that the people have discovered are to to lay on themselves such stress of society and performance in the way that they feel like they have to live to perform and to prove to God their worth. And Jesus just says, listen, it's about just coming to me. Here at Alpine Bible Church, this is what we want. We want a family that will love and live with Christ forever. We understand here at our church family that what God has created us for is relationships, loving God and loving each other. We want a place where people can just rest in relationship with Christ and grow in him. For us on Sunday morning, we qualify every gathering we, we have together this. It, it, we win when we walk out of any time we assemble and, and the people that have gathered together have drawn closer to Christ and, and closer to his church. I, I believe in being made in, in God's image that uh, God is, is a unique, creative, fun God, right? I mean, all you have to say is duck platypus and you know God's got a, got a wild side. Church should, when you walk out on Sunday morning, it shouldn't feel like you just left a funeral service. I, I, I understand that when you come and you gather, sometimes God calls us and convicts us and moves in our heart in certain ways, but its intended purpose is to bring us joy in Christ. This, this is a place of Celebration. I mean, do you know what it means to say to people, we we were lost and and we couldn't discover ourselves and we couldn't rescue ourselves and no matter how good that you did, you couldn't deserve God, but God in that loved you anyway and he has been passionately pursuing you and, and he lavishes his love upon you and his grace has been extended to you and it doesn't run dry that in your life, no matter what you've done or the hurt that you feel that Christ just wants to bring his love and lavish that on you and allow you to experience a relationship with him, forever I And mean, when you walk out of here that is reason to celebrate and rejoice uh, you go to church and it feels like it's a funeral service something is wrong and broken somewhere it's about celebrating his presence I appreciate that it's that kind of enthusiasm <laughs> we want a place this is weird too this is kind of strange to say let me, let me clarify this knowing how important that message is. We want a place that's not about pleasing people, but about reaching people. Uh, we, let me say it again. We want a place that's about pleasing, not about pleasing people, but, but about reaching uh, people. When, when we started our church, we, we started in Lehigh 10 years ago. We came out and visited and we prayed. God, I remember I was in the city in Wines Park, kneeling and just said, God, if you want a church here, I'm um, willing. I'm willing. Yeah. It's like, I am willing. I'm going to, you but I'm willing, right? And um, one, one of the things that we started doing when, when we prayed that prayer, my wife and I, was, we started praying for the people that would be a part of Alpine Bible Church, which was weird because we hadn't, we didn't know what they would look like. Like, it's weird to stand in the city and think You're, you want to start a church here and, and, you, and you want it to be led of the Lord, but you have no idea where anybody's going to come from in it. And so we started praying, God, it, we're, we're willing, and then we started praying for people to come. But this is one of the things we recognize. When, when people come, we're going to come from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of preconceived ideas of what church is supposed to be like, right? I mean, if you grew up in church, you've got this precedent that's set. And um, sometimes we, we attribute that expectation on the on new church that we go to. But I tell you this, we are not about pleasing people. We're about reaching people. I'm glad if you come here. <clears throat> I'm glad if you were a part of a church that um, you felt met needs, but we're not that church. Um, if we ever get to the place, we start fighting over stuff that doesn't matter. Um, I've threatened this before in the past, but I will paint these walls pink. <laughs> I will wear a dress like Jesus on Sunday. Like, just, just to make the point, it's not, it's not about any of that stuff. This is what it's about. We're here to reach people. We're here for people to grow in Christ. We're here to encourage your life closer to Jesus. And we're here to encourage each other to walk in Him together. Um, I own, uh, well, I'll just leave it there. Our church is about reaching people for Christ. And this is the way that we set ourselves up. In the summertime, we do this thing called breathe out. In, In the fall and winter, we do this thing called breathe in. We breathe in, breathe out. All right? That's spiritually breathing in, breathing out. So in the summertime, we know this. We get bundled up in our home, and it's, it's like winter sub-zero out there, and I don't even want to walk outside. And so, and so the tendency is we don't, we don't go anywhere, and we don't meet people as much, and so we're kind of hunkered in into our lives. And so we, we use that to breathe into our church family. We set up different teaching series here on different parts of, of the week to teach us how to grow in Him. In the summertime, we say, okay, God has called us to this world, and and we want to educate our people on how to do that. And so we breathe out. Everything that God has done for us in the winter and and, and the fall, we we go out into the world and we just share that with other people. We just reach the lost. I did a study on why churches die. I think that was important because I'd heard stories about people who had come to Lehi and tried to start churches, and and for whatever reason, after a few years, they were gone. And we didn't want that to happen to us, so we studied um, how how could we do that? And here's one of the things that we found out. The reason churches stop growing and the reason churches eventually die is because they start to treat their church like a fortress um, rather than a place to launch them into the world, meaning they start asking the question among the body, how can we be a better clique or social club? And then they forget about the world. And so all the ministries that they start just serves in, internally, and they forget to to realize that God has called them to relationship, but then to share that relationship with the world. And over time, uh, the church begins to shrink, and they can't even figure out why. And, and I, I would say this as a church family, in order to avoid that, it's important for us in our mentality to always understand that what God has called us to in that relationship is to not hold on to it, but to share it with the world. And so during the summertime, we, we take some time off on some of our ministries for that purpose. I say all that to say to you because on the outside there's a sign up sheet for our first booth that we're doing outreach at this year, and we need people to sign up. It, it, it's, it's important for us because it's, it's the core of what we are as, a, as people. We understand that we create, are created for a relationship with God, and we want to share that with the world. And so we breathe in, we breathe out. The goodness that God has given to us, we, just, we, we share with people. And this is the cool part, okay? If you ever thought, man, that makes me nervous when we go out and do these booths, the cities that we go to have said to us, uh, don't proselyte, right? Meaning, they don't want us, I guess, Bible thump or whatever. And so we don't, we don't do that. Um, What we do is we go out and we create a positive attitude and atmosphere around our booth as a church because people have preconceived ideas of what a church is. And we just want to knock down those walls. Like, they think that on Sunday morning, um, I just had someone tell me this at Lowe's, that, that, um, they asked me how the hellfire and brimstone message is going. like, I mean, I believe in hell, but, but I, don't, I don't know what you think I do up here. Like, we, we don't just try to scare people from hell. We just want people to go and walk with Jesus. That's what we're after, right? And so we knock down those walls, and we just, we're there to love on community. And you know what happens? People come to us and ask us about our church. And so that gives us an opportunity to share. That's it. You share what God's done. We make balloon animals. If you're not good at that, that's good, because then your job can be shared. We hand out, out bottled water to people. And we just let people know while we're here and answer questions that they might have and we just share as much as they give us the opportunity to but we don't don't go around and and just charge after people and so we just want to reach out as Christ has called us to. God has put us in a place and opportunity to, to do that. When I visited here 10 years ago, and this is what I'll close with, I visited here 10 years ago and I moved here eight years ago, and we started this church a little over five years ago. Passage of Matthew 23 just rang in my mind. Jesus is talking to a religious place, and they're missing the point, and, and people are just living close to Jesus, and they, they, they just failed to see the purpose of Jesus. And in Jesus' words in in Matthew 11 that we just shared, you see pain and you see struggles and you see hardships and and they're just missing the point. And and Jesus comes and just says, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I have longed to gather you under my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks. You think about that this morning for us. Even if you've grown up in church your whole life, I mean, you think of that passage, did you miss it? And Jesus just says, Oh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I have come just to gather you under my wings. If you understood the purpose for which you were created, it's all about relationship, it's about me. I mean, if we believed how important that was, I mean, how much would we just walk in the world and just share the freedom that Christ gives? It can never prove your worth to God. And he knows it. And he still chose to love you and come to you and give himself to you that you may enjoy him all the days of your life jump ahead of that mentality and just say this I'm a sinner <laughs> I am and I'm broken I am As a little kid at 16 years old, with the world falling apart around me, I just needed rescued and I didn't understand my point of existing and I didn't know that I even wanted to exist. I didn't get it and I go into religion and they tell me that what I'm wearing is what's wrong with me and I knew knew that was wrong. God created me for so much more. This is eternal life that we're talking about, that you may know him. God created you in his image that you might connect to him. You don't don't fix anything, but you come to Christ. And from the inside out, he transforms your heart and he makes you new. Jesus sets you free and all you have to do is just let go, just let go. God, I am messed up, and I need you. Christ, save me.